0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by Boxing Hall of Famer, Teddy Atlas, quarantine edition. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken.
1: Uh, I see that you you shaped up the beard since last time, a little bit.
0: <laughs> uh, I put in some uh, just for men.
1: Okay. We don't have to tell anybody. See, that's, we're very transparent. I'm kidding. No, we're very honest. <laughs> that speaks to, to, to the honesty of this show. It really does. <laughs> Um,
0: Do I look younger?
1: No, but I mean, you <laughs> look good. Though. You look great. You you look great as always. And uh, I'm just wondering how many emails you. I know you. You know you get quite a few, and you read all that stuff. And I don't read any. Uh, I don't know how to get them. I I thank God that's why I'm still alive. That I don't read the internet. Otherwise. God knows where I'd be, what prison cell, what, what you know, prison island I would be on or something. I don't know where I would be or what a sane asylum or what. what I, I don't know. But all I know is it works well for me not being able to read any of those beautiful people out there. Most of them are beautiful. Uh, not all of them, though. Uh, not being able to read any of their uh, love notes. You know, and I know that, I know that you, you're better than me. You you read the son of a guns. You read them, and I'm just wondering how many of them asked you about which Lamborghini or uh Ferrari or you know Maserati. Well, Maserati, that's that's what you keep in the trunk. I mean, that's, that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> my nanny drives the Maserati. That's your 90s car. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you, Teddy. I'm glad you're healthy. You look great. I want to talk to you today about your experiences training the great Alexander Pavetkin, former heavyweight champion of the world. I wouldn't and say you're exp- they're
1: great. I mean, that's getting a little... And listen, we're not knocking them. I, again, that's part of... I think that's part of the signature of the show, like it and, or you like it or you don't like it or you whatever. But I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to not exaggerate things. I don't think there's many great fighters out there. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard was a great fighter. Uh, Pennell Whitaker, great fighter. Roberto Duran, great fighter. Um... You know, we have some around now, uh, Mayweather. Uh, you know, and well, he's, I, I say around now, you never know when he's gonna pop back, Mr. Mayweather. <laughs> he, he's something else, he's great. Um, you know, and, and there's a, but there's not too many that you really would call great and know that you're being either honest or competent. Honest or competent. <laughs> and instead of just being lazy or just being fashionable or convenient
0: that's all so no, that that that's fair I just think of uh I was being complimented the fact that he was multiple-time heavyweight world champion which is kind of like the uh king of the boxing world if you will while you're on top of that throne but you have a fair point I'll leave the uh, uh analysis of the fighters to you and, and listen again it's not a being critical of him
1: i mean i i trained them Yep, we won a world title together you know uh so i you know i trained them for two years we won we won what was it wba i don't remember mm-hmm. but we won the world title against Shagayev and ruslan South southpaw so i'm not being critical and and i happen to I know that he's uh, uh, he's he's a decent enough person, too. Um, you know, he's not a horrid human being. Um, I was disappointed by him at the end, but hey, we all get disappointed if we live long enough <clears throat> by things. But uh, again, even with that, I'm, I'm going to say that he was not a bad person. He was a decent person. So, but... There's very few guys out there that uh, you could really, truly say are great fighters. That's all. Fair enough. But uh, but a good fighter and a guy that was good enough to win the title, a guy that
0: was good enough to be a gold medalist uh, representing Russia in the Olympics. Yep. With that being said, just from speaking with you in in camp and over the past year or two, um, just hearing stories about your experiences there, I thought it would warrant a full episode, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to be discussed just because he doesn't speak English or he didn't speak English when you were with him. I I don't think he does. No,
1: we had to have an interpreter. We had an interpreter. I've worked with a lot of fighters over the years when I was with Customato and after that, but... I work with a lot of fighters and I've been around 45 years. I work with a lot of fighters where I had to work with an interpreter. Uh, Quite a few, actually more than you would think. And we were able to get the job done. I used to joke writers used to ask me, how'd you get it done with an interpreter? That makes it much more difficult. It definitely puts another element in there. And I used to joke. I used to say, Hey, Boxing has a universal language. Move your freaking head or get hit. (laughs) (laughs) They learn that real fast.
0: (laughs) It means the same thing in every language. Well, listen, let's talk about how how did you become associated with um, Alex? Did he reach out? I'm assuming they reached out to you. Can you tell me how that happened, when, and um, who made contact?
1: And again, this makes me neither this or that, but uh, again, just since you brought it up the way you did. I've never in my life reached out to a fighter. That doesn't make me, you know, anything's, doesn't make me good diver chocolate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, good diver. It doesn't make me, it just makes me me. Uh, not better, not less, not worse, not anything. Uh, other than I've never felt that I would ever lobby for a job. That if I, learned my craft, drew my apprenticeship, which I did with eight years, seven, eight years, altogether eight, with custom auto, and then went forward and practiced it correctly that my reputation would be enough. And, you know, you wouldn't, you you didn't lobby for a job. You just didn't do that. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if you're, I guess you can, and you still don't lose face. It doesn't make you less of a person. But for me, that that's not the way it was. If you, you know, if you were good at your craft, whether it be training fighters or <coughs> it be maybe you know being a carpenter, uh, being a doctor, being a lawyer, uh, you didn't call people up and say,
0: "Hey, you need a lawyer." <laughs> they they kind of they kind of found you. <laughs> That's I don't Doctor, know. Doctor doctors doctors on cold calling. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So So who reached out to you from uh, Pavetkin's team? I'm assuming someone from his team reached out. Yeah, a guy
1: named Vlad. I think his last name was Hernoff And uh they reached out Trying to remember how they reached out to me. Anyway, they reached out and said they'd like. It was right after the Eddie Chambers fight. He just—he was an undefeated. Again, you, we got Rob here. You, we got all my experts here of science. Where you, you, you look it up. That <laughs> science
0: people. experts might be a bit. Well, of a they stretch. are. <laughs> you guys are.
1: I don't know. You underestimate yourself, said, and that's because you're good people. But you are. For me, you are. You're scientists. Uh, you know that. That thing, you you told me about it, that Google, Google, um, you know, Internet.
0: <laughs> Makes everyone a scientist. Well, except me. And um, <laughs> Eddie Chambers in January of 08. All right. That's what it was then. Yeah.
1: He was coming over a fight with Eddie Chambers. He was undefeated. I think he was about 16 and 0. Am I correct? Somewhere in that neighborhood?
0: Yep, exactly. And Eddie Chambers was 30 and 0 at the time. And they fought in Germany.
1: Yeah. So... He fought all his fights for the most part in Germany because he was promoted by Sauerland, which was the big promoter in Germany over in Europe. Yo. So, the coming off that fight, it was on HBO, I believe, with Eddie Chambers, and some people thought Chambers won. Uh, either way, it was close, closer than he thought it should be, tougher than he thought. There's a kid, they want him to move forward and going to do all these big things, and he got hit a lot of right hands. That's the bottom line. And... You know, they, it's kind of like we joked before about you need a good lawyer or what, what do you, what kind of case you got coming up? All right, let's look at the list of lawyers. All right, this guy's good. Call him. He's got a good reputation. I get a phone call from somebody and, will I train this guy? And I said no. It had become easy to say no. Yeah. Too easy. Too easy. And, uh, the things I've been through, disappointments without getting into too much. We all go through that. Yeah. In my life, my industry, I didn't want to be disappointed by any more fighters. Um, I was doing ESPN. As I joked with some newspaper guys, nobody could talk back to me at ESPN on a microphone, you know? There's no, a fighter can talk back to you, other things can happen, you know? And I didn't have to worry about who won. It was, you know, it was it was bearing on me. It was taking a toll on me. And uh, just calling the fights at ESPN is a great responsibility to call them and tell the fans what's going on and something they might not have known. And it's a lot of preparation, a lot of work, but it's not training a fighter. Again, you know, Nobody could talk back to you. Uh, There's there's no worrying about who wins. It doesn't matter. And I didn't want to go there again. So I said no. And my daughter and my son, my son works for the Raiders. My daughter's an attorney. I always brag about them a little bit because I'm proud of them. But I'm proud of the people they are. And both of them immediately, because I share everything with my family, they jumped on me and they said, Dad, why are you saying no? I said, Because of what I just said, I don't want to do it no more. And my daughter and my son both said, Dad. Now, listen, I don't like to sound like the way that you can sound sometimes when you're saying something nice about yourself, but your kids are your kids. What do you think they're going to say? They said, You're the greatest commentator of all time. Of all time! <laughs> of all time! Right? Okay, we can laugh about that. So they said, but dad, your core, your soul is to be a teacher. That's why you're a commentator. That's what you do. You make people better. Again, it's my kids. You teach and you make heavyweight champions. Go make another heavyweight champion. Wow, <laughs> how do you walk away from that? Yeah. And, and and then if that wasn't enough, I think it was my daughter. My daughter's like, Dad, and maybe my son too, but they said, there's only a window, a period, that you can do this. It eventually ends. Mm-hmm. Unless you really know you never want to do this again, go do it. It's a privilege to teach, Dad. It's a privilege for people to call you and ask you to make them better. Make me better, please. That's a privilege. That's that's a gift. Dad, don't just turn your back on it. Please. You teachers teach. Go teach. And uh, so I told them, they called me back a second time. I said, all right, look, I do... I will do a trial period. So they said F- 5 days sound good. I said yeah, I don't know who came to 5 but I said I'll go out there for 5 days and at the end of the 5 I know whether or not I want to do this. Go to Russia. Yeah. And I went out to Russia and I you know, I trained them. And uh I trained them in you know I, Had
0: you been to Russia before this?
1: Uh No. No I've never been to Russia And
0: So this is back in 2008 What was that experience like Just getting off the plane and being in Russia What What were your first What are the first reactions First things you think of when I ask you that
1: Um I will go home <laughs> No after I stayed there a while But then, listen I was treated real well But a little isolation We drove a few hours from Moscow To a little town called Chekhov named after a very famous writer. And um, it was isolated. It was, I could feel, I could see the poverty. I could see it in the roads, in the people's faces. That it didn't take long to discover that I was around a lot of people that had money and power. in a In a province where I was, the area I was, there were guys that, controlled those areas his manager was one of those guys after the falling of i don't think you need a map for me to explain to the people out there that after the falling of the soviet union it went into chaos it was the roaring 20s for a while like it was in the country in, in the states i guess there were guys that controlled certain areas that's the way it worked um and there was The haves and the have-nots. There was no middle. Yeah, I just there were people that had just desperate poverty, and it was written all over their face. You saw them on the sides of the streets trying to sell whatever they could sell—vegetables, water, whatever—and um, and you saw it was large. There was a lot of land. There was a lot of just open space uh, where I was, Uh, and it was barren it was it was cold it was it was just it, it seemed it seemed dark and certain areas depressed except for the areas where the, the guys that ran those areas had you know certain things going on they had their businesses going on and it was good for them but it didn't expand beyond that it was it was it was all contained into those areas, and again, I was around the people that had a lot. The guy, the manager, owned the hotel we stayed at. He owned a, built a shopping plaza up not far away. He owned everything in there. He owned a, you know, a, a ranch that that he lived on, uh, with guards and gates and machine guns and dogs and all the props to look whatever I guess there was a reason for them I guess too but uh you know it gave a certain image you know black Range Rovers picking you up black Mercedes um and again you you, when when you travel a little bit you saw a lot of separation separation in the distances of towns but also separation in the conditions of people People that had it, people that had nothing. And, you know, I was, I don't go to places to hang out anyway. So I was in the hotel, I was in the gym and back in the hotel. I mean, and nobody really spoke English. We had an interpreter. Vlad spoke English, a couple of people did. But for the most part, I was in a hotel where, you know, I learned the one or two things I wanted on the menu and I pointed to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I had a lot of, uh, che, That's tea, <laughs> and um, and I said placebo a lot, as thank you. Uh, placebo, um, you know, and uh, black and green tea, you know, and I, I drank that, and I I watched film, showed him what he was doing wrong, showed him what I would change, what my plan would be. And at the end of it, he said, they said, he said to me through the interpreter, I even let him spar a couple times, and he said through the interpreter that uh, he was a real motherland guy, a homebody, home guy, Russian. You know, he believed in the motherland. He, he Just like we have people here that don't want to leave this country or their area. He never wanted, he was a country boy, I guess you could say, in some ways. And he didn't want to leave his area. And um, he said that he had told everybody that he would never, ever leave Russia to go train in the United States. He didn't care, you know. But now after spending five days with me, he asked me if I would train him. He was, he was a respectful kid. He was a, a, a nice person. And uh he was a real fighter, and he knew what was in front of him. Klitschko was, was supposed to be in front of him. He understood the seriousness of that, and he said, will you train me? I will go to the United States if you train me. And we made a deal. We made a deal that during that period, Ken, ESPN used to go 12 months a year.
0: Meaning the boxing schedule was year-round.
1: Yeah, but at that period... They changed. The executives, the smart people at ESPN realized it was futile to keep going up against college football. So from September to January, somewhere like that, we stopped broadcasting. uh, And then we would pick up in January. So I made a deal. He would come to the United States uh, during the period because I wanted to be fair. You know, he said, I'll come to the United States. So I wanted to be fair. I recognized that he'd be homesick and everything I just described to you. And you do have to be fair. I said, look, I'll go my, I'll take my, you know, I'll go my end of it too. And um, I will make a sacrifice on my side. I will come to Russia to train you when I'm off. So during those periods that I'm off, you know, September to January, if we have a fight on, I'll come here. The other periods, you come here. Done, deal, done, finished. Off to America, <laughs> and um, you know, I went. I came there with not a lot of baggage. I went back with some extra baggage and uh, a case or so of vodka. Um, uh, the, as I was told by his manager, uh, you know, I gave it to gifts to people. They loved it. As I was told by his manager, um, it was, uh, it's not the vodka that's sold in the stores. It's the good vodka. (laughs) I said, oh, really? You have two kinds. Uh, I see. Uh, it's, (laughs) it's the best vodka in the world. It's the best. It's the good stuff. uh it's um it's the same way that it's the same one that putin drinks oh okay it must be good
0: <laughs> was this the when they sent you home with that vodka is that when they all i just remember you from camp mentioning that they were sending you home with like wolf skin fur coats and stuff is that the same yeah the same? i got
1: i got a wolf kid. my my wife threw it out don't tell anybody <laughs> she got she got freaked out by it she she, yeah. she said i have enough of this wolf uh Looking at me with these dead eyes, <laughs> uh, I thought it was cool. I mean, I've never had a wolf skin before, you yeah. know. And it was from the heart. It was met well, and and very good honey. Oh yeah, we had all different kinds of honey. Honey from Siberia was white. Um, honey from from some other part of a region, and uh, it was all different, but really, really, really good honey, and uh, vodka, and uh, wolf skins, and uh. It was, you know, and don't even ask me how you you're not supposed to bring that stuff home, you know? But <laughs> that was worked out. Yeah. It was worked out, you know. Um somebody will meet you at the somebody will meet you at the airport and they will escort you in. I said I have a bag full of vodka over here. I it's going to be It's going to be a problem? No problem. <laughs> no problem.
0: So after you guys reached the agreement, that was in uh the, the chambers fight was in January. So I'm assuming it was shortly there after you were in Russia. So this is during the ESPN period. So it was the first camp in the US? Yep. And what was that like for me? Had he been here before? Who came with him? Did the did the gangster manager come with them? And what was everyone's reaction to being in the US, especially for the guys who hadn't been here before, coming from that type of environment? He came.
1: Well, he, there was no big crew. One of the trips he came with his brother. I think that was the first. I'm not sure if that was the first one. I think it was, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But we had an interpreter. Trying to remember if Max. Max was my man. He was my guy, over in Russia, and young kid, good kid. He he worked for them, and he was an interpreter. Spoke good English. And a smart kid, nice kid he uh I don't know if he came with him or we got somebody over here uh because one of the trips Max couldn't come if he had come at all, I don't remember, but whether it was a visa situation, whatever it was, I don't know, but we we hired somebody here, we got somebody here for one of at least one or two of the camps over here, so anyway, bottom line was we had an interpreter. He came with his brother, I believe, and the manager, or the front manager, uh, one of the managers, you know, uh, family's got a lot of buffers, Senator. (laughs) Yeah, they had a lot of buffers, Senator. (laughs) A lot of buffers, Senator.
0: (laughs) And was this this first camp, is this the one they had in Middletown, New Jersey at the uh, police department?
1: Yeah, I set it up. I had to find, you know, I had to have people help me, but... It was my responsibility to find a place. So I found a gym uh, by this guy who was a good guy. He had a gym right on the police, uh, right there where the where the Middletown Police Department was. It was a little house, little old house, old little gym, perfect. We got the key. They were good to us, beautiful, good people. Was it Danny Doyle? Uh, he's involved with the Amateurs in Jersey, good guy he ran his little gym there we so we had it there we got him a condo wanted him to be comfortable got him and his guys a condominium not far away he rented a a car i um i brought my man in saul you know the guy who the my friend my brother uh, he's been with me forever at espn from the beginning he he did all the fight plans that people used to love to watch when i did the fight plans on espn and I brought him in as, a, as my assistant. So he was there. He would drive them to the gym and everything, live there with them in the condo. Uh, I had a place for him to run. You know, I had everything that set up that needed to be set up. And we had, like I said, we had a key to the gym during the day. And I would commute from my house about 45 minutes every day to get down there. I wanted him in a clean place, a good environment, rural area, fresh air, and no distractions. And, you know, we I, I started training him. I started teaching them and correcting like I did when I was there in Russia. Uh, correcting the first mistake, which was his availability to getting hit with right hands. You know, he... Like Cuss used to say, you know, it's not illegal to move your head. <laughs> uh, you know, and like Mickey Duff used to say to me, Teddy, this fella gets insulted if you miss him. <laughs> <laughs> but he he got hit a lot of right hands, and it was a reason. I discovered, I figured out the reason, I looked at tape, I figured out the reason, I corrected it, yeah. he didn't get hit with right hands like that. Also, I found out that he could be in better shape. We dropped some weight. I think we dropped about 20 pounds. I think it was. Uh, and just little things, uh, but big things, too. I found out that I looked at him and I said, you just throw punches. And he, at first, you, you know, he's a good kid. He listens. He, I don't know if he understood right away. I said, you're just throwing punches. I want you throwing punches for a reason. I don't want you just throwing punches. Sometimes the best punch you can throw is the punch you don't throw. So he had to learn a whole. He never heard stuff like that before, you know. And, um. You know, so he had to learn that and understand, and he was hungry to learn. He was That's why he was willing to come. It was hard for him to come to the States. He was willing to come because he thought he needed it, and I give him credit for that. And uh, I said, you can't just chuck punches. You got to throw intelligent punches, meaningful punches, thought-out punches at the right time, the right distance, the right place. You don't just throw punches. So we worked on that, on distinct combinations, specific combinations, punching at the right time, not punching at the wrong time, uh, you know, all those kind of things, and trying to sculpt them into a, a a more developed, effective, efficient fighter that could win a world title. This was all in preparation for Torres Sykes. Yeah, we, the fight never happened, uh, uh, which was his first fight after um.
0: After Chambers, he had Taurus Sykes, and it looks like the fight took place in that little town that you just described of um, Chekhov.
1: No, no, I think he, I think he might have had that fight without me. Uh, oh, okay, before, was I your think, first
0: fight with him? Was your first because, fight with him in Germany? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So then it was Jason Estrada in um, April of two thousand and nine.
1: Yeah, I, I, that, that's correct. I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty sure now. Like I said, he was with the Soulands, and they were the promoters. So he fought in Germany, and you know he wasn't known. He wasn't developed in Russia. He wasn't like the Klitschko's. Hey, look, the Klitschko's did, did their promotion in Germany too. Yep. You know they were promoted there too. Uh, it was there was there was more development there for fighting, uh, and a fan and a base of fans. Uh, than Russia. You got to remember, Russia had been through all those years of, you know, of uh, the Soviet Union where there was no professional boxing and it took a while, you know, the fighters that, when they started allowing fighters to turn pro, you know, most of them had to come over, you know, eventually get over here if they were going anywhere. It took a while. Uh, it wasn't set up the way, you know, other parts of Europe was set up For promoting boxing. So uh, the first problem was it wasn't training him. It was that it turned out that he was the mandatory for Klitschko. And uh, he had been in mandatory earlier, if my memory serves me correct. And he hurt his ankle. Or Klitschko hurt his ankle. I think it was, I think it was, I think it was Prevetkin hurt his ankle. One of them hurt their ankle, and the fight was off. And it never, it didn't happen. And then it came back, and there was no way that I thought we were walking right into a Klitschko fight. Even though I get paid, I wanted to teach them. I want them to learn. I wanted to do what I'm. My job is to do, make them better. You didn't come to me for, you know, because you are, you like the Americans with a scar on the left side of their face, you know. <laughs> You came to me because you thought I could teach and make them better. Give me a chance to teach and make them better. And the Salins had something else in mind. They controlled the promotion. They're going to make money. His manager, the guy that was Nikolai, uh, had something else. Vlad, went, of course, you know was the front guy. There was a whole bunch of guys, and um, or at least a couple. And to make a long story short, Ken, I... I didn't want that fight. He wasn't ready for it. Klitschko had fifty-five fights, fifty-one fights, fifty-two fights, whatever the hell it was. He was six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds. My kid had sixteen fights. He was six foot uh, one, two hundred twenty-five pounds, uh, and there's no way it didn't add up. He had no chance. He wasn't ready, and. The most important thing is the fighter wasn't ready in his mind. But he's a fighter and he's Russian. I don't think I have to paint more of a picture. He can't just say, I don't want, come on. So I wanted to protect him. So I told them no. And they wanted that fight. It was a $2 million fight. But the truth was, oh, you're going to get paid, right? By the time everyone took their end, you know, I didn't go to MIT. Mm -hmm. Right, but I didn't need to. I'm not a mathematician, but I can add two and two, four and four, eight and eight, whatever, and if it gets too heavy, I can get a calculator. I didn't, (laughs) you know what I mean? When when everyone finished taking, this guy was getting 25%, this guy was getting 20, this guy was getting 15, I was getting 10. When it was all over with, I was going to wind up making more money than him.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And that's a reality. Of course, people don't like realities when it reflects what the way it can reflect sometimes. It's, you know, it's the son of a gun. I know. It's just, you know, life can be a you-know-what. But I didn't, I didn't want to fight for him. That was not going to be my first fight with him to lead him to slaughter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I, that, that's not happening. That's not happening. You know, I know I could make a quick two hundred thousand, but you know, no, it's not it's not happening. Doesn't make me a saint, but it makes me the man and I wanna be. So uh so I I knew it couldn't be and, and the fighter knew it couldn't be. But the fighter normally would've had to take it. But now he had a little out. It was a little different. He had some guy some guy named Teddy, a little crazy, and uh, he's training in a little town in Middleton, Middletown, New Jersey. He's learning new things, and you know what? Uh, he didn't really want it, and one thing led to another. I can't tell you the exact timelines. All I can tell you is that he got a phone call. The fight's going to be made. The press conference Klitschko's going to be there, uh, you got to be there Monday. This was maybe Friday. Get on a plane. Uh, you know, the manager, Nikolai, the Salins telling him, come, Teddy. Teddy doesn't want to fight. Well, Teddy don't come, then you come. But you get here.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And uh, what he, he tells them, I do what Teddy tells me. I became the number one hated man in uh, Chekhov and uh, parts of Germany. Southbound Germany, you know, the <laughs> southern region of uh, yeah. Germany. Uh, I controlled the fighter. I I didn't want to control him. I didn't want to control him. I just wanted to train him. I'm not going to manage yeah. him. I'm not talking to him. I'm not trying to steer him. But as a trainer, I can't tell them. I, I'm not going to tell him that he's ready for a fight that I know he's not and that he can't win, especially when the fighter doesn't think he can win. But the fighter can't say it, so I got to say, I got to protect him because because if if you leave it to him, he's going to be led to where he's going to be led to. So this was an out. I became the out. I became the bad. That's okay. That's part of being a trainer sometimes, part of being mm-hmm. a parent sometimes. Yeah, got to be the bad guy. That's the way it is sometimes. And uh, it's okay as long as you believe in what you're doing. And I, I believed in it. And so – yeah. That was my job. So he you know and, and the fighter look I had to be sure there was one thing, I'm not stupid. Before I completely, you know, eliminated that fight, I told him take a walk with me with the interpreter because I didn't want at the end for him. Not that I didn't trust him, but I only knew him a short period of time. I didn't want him at the end to say, oh, I I, I wanted that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I wasn't going to burn him. I wasn't going to make him say he didn't want it. I couldn't do that to him. Because then you destroy his pride. Yeah. You take away someone's pride, you take away their their insights. How do you fight with no insights? I got the answer. You can't. So... But I still had to protect myself in a way that I knew I was right. I had to know I was right. I knew I was, but I had to be sure, sure. So I took him for a walk. I remember walking by these trees, and I told the interpreter, make sure you say exactly what I'm asking him, exactly. Exactly. So I couldn't just say to him, do you want this fight? You know why, Ken? That was the easiest thing for me. But if I said that and I forced him to say no, I'm getting him to say something a fighter should never say to a certain extent. I know people out there are going to say, "Oh, they're, they're thinking people. You don't want them to think, Teddy? Go, go, go train a fighter and figure it out. Okay? Please. And, and I'll do whatever you're doing for a month. I don't know what you're doing, but I'll, I'll do your job uh, for a month. <laughs> but you don't want him to say, uh, I don't want to fight. I know it's got to be said, but someone else should say it. Because the premise is the behavior. It's the honor. It's the pride, the tradition It's all of that. It's what a fighter carries in himself, representing himself as a fighter. Not a boxer. Not a this, not a... A fighter. The whole core of that word is to be willing to fight. And so you can't have a fighter say, you can't ask a fighter, you want to fight? No, I don't want to. So I knew that because I would be going against the art of training. For me, I would be I would be undermining myself in what I'm trying. I'm trying to make him stronger, better, not less. To say that would be making him less. So I had to think about it. I had to catch myself. And I said, shoot, I can't say that. That'd be the easiest way for me to say it, you know. But I said, no, it would be detrimental to the fight. It would be wrong, irresponsible. So I thought about it and I said, oh, I got it. I said, put it to him this way. Do you think you would like to have more time? Bang. Do you think you'd like, would you, do you think it would be you would be better to have, I know you, I, first I started by saying, I know you want to, you're ready to fight him. Do you, I have to make the right decision here. Either way, the right decision has a, everything to do with you. Do, you. do you think you would want, you could use more time? He looked at me, he said, more time. done i ain't letting this kid get on the plane i ain't letting him go to freaking it would be wrong i'm his trainer now i don't care if it was for five minutes five months five weeks i don't i don't know how long it had been it been a little while already you know a little bit i don't care i i'm not betraying this kid i'm not freaking sending him to out to the wolves even if i do have wolf skins in my house <laughs> so um I told them. I can just imagine what the oh, management they, oh team and
0: everyone thought about you. And I've just oh. just because I've seen these scenarios play out, where you have to be the bearer of bad news, and uh, oh, I can just imagine they must have wanted to kill. And,
1: you. And, and, and listen, these writers, there's great writers out there. But the, now, listen, what I'm about to say, people say, oh, you're being critical because they, yeah, maybe, maybe, I'm human, but I'm in my mind, I'm being honest and fair. There were writers that were taken care of by some of these people. I know that. I'm not blind. Yeah. And and some of them immediately were, Teddy Atlas ruined this guy's career. He just took him out of a 2 million LPA. Oh, all right. Are you writing that based on what? Because somebody told you to write that? I'd like to know. Or was it based on your what? What? Because I think you've been around boxing about two and a half weeks. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you know about boxing? What I, what it's about, and what I just finished talk. What do you know? What do you know? But so you're gonna write that. But at the end of the day, you got a chance for it to play out. That's the key. So yeah, I live with it. I I swallowed that. Hey, it's part of the business sometimes. But then I said, let me do what I need to do. And one of three things will happen. I have a plan. Doesn't mean I'll be right. But at least I have a plan. I think it's right. I think it's wrong to fight him now. But I think if we give him more time to develop, to get better, to get more seasoning, more experience, more time, when he eventually fights Klitschko, I have a better chance. Number one. Number two, I do understand the sport of boxing. (laughs) There's a lot of things in life I don't understand, but I do understand this. I understand that this sport, for the good and the bad, sometimes the bad can be good. Oh, what did you just say, Teddy? Sometimes the bad can be good. That with all this funky monkey business that goes on with these, whatever they are, organizations and these promoters and all the back room stuff, sometimes funny things happen and maybe maybe on the way to the market we'll find out that somebody other than klitschko is the heavyweight champ and it'll be an easier fight oh how's that gonna happen the way it's happened for a million years (laughs) so maybe something will happen so give me more time see At the very least, he'll be better when he does eventually fight Klitschko. He'll get another chance. Oh, he's never going to get another chance. Uh, I'm willing to gamble. I took a big gamble. And could people point throw a few knives at me saying you gambled with his career? Go ahead. Here I am. But I was doing what was right. Because of what I just described. And... Sure enough, sure enough, we start training. We fight some fights. We fight fights in Germany. We fight fights in Russia. We promote the fights ourselves. They did anyway. And he's developing. And two years go by. We're developing. And what happens, Ken? What happens? Oh, my God. What happens? Klitschko becomes, gets named the Supreme. What did they call it back in those days? Supreme, Ducapi, Ducupi, uh, Magnificent <laughs> One. What what did they call it?
0: Emeritus? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, make, I'm making things up. They I have be, no idea. He became the Grand Bah.
1: He became the Grand Puba champion. And the organization, what was it, the WBA, I think, was it? WBA, yep. WBA WBA decides to have a regular champion, world champion. That used to be enough, by the way, just to be a world champion. That was enough. Yeah. But. So Klitschko gets called to whatever. I don't know. What was it? Golden, Supreme, Plutonium. Uh,
0: uh, I don't know what uh, it was. D- WBA Super World Heavyweight title. He,
1: oh, okay. At least it wasn't super duper. So he becomes mm-hmm. the Super World. And, we, and now they decide the number one and the number two will fight for the regular heavyweight title. So guess what? Shagayev, who's not six foot six, two 250 pounds, 55 fights, or whatever the hell. Uh, instead, he's 6'1", 230 or 225, 32 years old, 20-something fights. We get to fight, southpaw, we get to fight him. He's the number one, and he's going to fight the number two. That would be us. <laughs> and we're going to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world in Germany. And sure enough, guess what? We get a chance to fight somebody that we have a better chance to beat. There we are.
0: And he won it. He won. So he wins the title against Shigaev. Did you feel like of uh uh? uh did you feel some vindication towards the management teams and 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 did they have a different attitude towards you after you delivered them a world title?
1: It was the hardest, most difficult. People that know my story know that, uh, listen, I love Michael Mora, and Michael Mora was a tremendous fighter, the first outpour heavyweight champ. He went from light heavyweight champion, dominant to heavyweight champion. He was a special, special guy. But it was difficult, but it's supposed to be. It's it, it, it's part of the, It's sometimes part of the, just sometimes it's part of the deal, baby.
0: But weren't there some challenges with the Shigaev camp? Didn't you like get there late? Talk to me about that.
1: Well, that's what I'm kind of leading to. As difficult as it was with Michael, it was like being in the Willy Wonka chocolate factory compared to what I dealt with for this camp because this one was in, in Russia. And without going too crazy here, <laughs> the Salen people were not the most, they were not Boy Scouts, okay? And, um, or Cub Scouts. And I wasn't getting paid properly. There were some things going on. I have a great attorney, a great friend, David Berlin, and it was difficult. Like, he, he like, how are we going to make it right they're in russia they're in germany like what like what are you what are you going to what are you going to do yeah i mean like the they uh, uh, their accounting their accounting system was a little different okay <laughs> it was a little <laughs> different all right ken it was uh, they yeah, were going sure. by metrics we were going by whatever and uh, we weren't comfortable i didn't think they were great people they didn't love me any more than I loved them, but I was doing a job, and then yet Nikolai, the the guy, whatever, with the with the ranch and with the dogs and the and the, you know, whatever, and so I wasn't gonna go and train them because they had never paid me what they were supposed to. They had never signed what they were supposed to. There was a few things that still were just were and done. David said, you you can't go. You can't go. And my family said, you you must not go. And one thing, and they could do what they wanted in Russia a little bit, and all of a sudden, 10 weeks before the fight became seven, seven became six, six became, you need eight weeks to train for a fight. Seven weeks, you could do it. Six weeks, you could squeak by. Anything less than that, it's irresponsible. You're you're shooting dice. It gets to a month, Ken. It's over. It's over. I'm not going to train him. I got a month to train him. The kid been off. He was heavy. He wasn't in shape. I'm not going. It's done. Finished. Over. Done. Gone. Kaput. Blup. How do you say that in Russian? Any language. Yet. Yet! (laughs) And what happens? Sometimes the people, there's a reason not, there's a reason that people are not trustworthy because they don't tell the truth. They had never told the fighter. I was very clear. I'm not coming. I'm not coming. It's one month before the fight, I'm in Las Vegas doing ESPN Friday Night Fights, and it's my birthday. It's July 29th, and I get a phone call during the afternoon before my show, and it's my fighter, Alexander Perfekin. And he doesn't speak English, but you know you could say a call, "Hello, Teddy," nah, we could do that, you know. Yeah stuff like that happy birthday it hit me he didn't know he thought I was still coming for the fight they never told him it's a month ago make all the faces you want I agree I agree with you you look like somebody I'm gonna figure out before this is over who it is you oh you know who you look like that actor who plays Thor oh Josh Brolin you is that him you look I like know, him. But that's what I get. Yeah, all. no, I mean, it's a good thing. He makes a lot of money and he's, he, you know, he's a good looking guy. But you look like him. <laughs> you do.
0: Anyway. All I need is a hammer. Uh,
1: yeah, okay. So <laughs> we, I realize after I get off the phone, I call my family and I'm upset. And they say, Dad, what's the matter? You got the show tonight. I said, This kid thinks I'm going to train them. They never told him. Well, that's their fault. Now that's easy to go. That's my family. They're not wrong. They're protecting me. That's their fault dad. It's got nothing to do with you. I said, no. He thinks at the end of the day, he's when it's all over and he loses this title, he's going to think that I betrayed him. He's gonna think I left him and walked out on him, and that's on me. I can't, uh, I can't hide behind Russians, Germans. That's on me. Yeah, but you, they date the ones who did it. I said it's. He thinks they lied. They didn't tell him. He thinks I'm coming. He was dependent on me. He doesn't understand all this stuff. They didn't pay me. They've been cheating me on these fights. Everything else. So I, I call. I called David Berlin or my family called him. He called me. Whatever it was, uh, one of the few people I trust besides my family. And he says, you can't go. Anyway, we get it worked out. I tell him, listen, I'm going. And we get it worked out the best we can. And three and a half weeks before the fight, I go. And it was the scariest plane ride I ever took. Because I I didn't know where I was going, I, I felt like I was going into oblivion. I I'm, usually you're going with a confidence, with a plan. You're nervous, but at least you know that you have you can trust your ability, trust the time you have. I didn't have time. I had no time. Three and a half weeks. The kid's not in shape. Uh, it's I, I, I I'm I'm gonna go there. I don't know what the people's attitudes gonna be because of the animosity I just described. Uh, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be isolated. I was scared. I was I was uneasy about this whole thing. But I was more scared about letting them down. I was more scared about feeling the way I was going to feel five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. I was going to feel later as a person, as a human being. I was more scared of that. And my family was like, but it's there. I, I said, I'm going to feel it. Me, not them. And uh, I got on the plane. I had no idea how we were gonna get this done. And when I got there, you know, at least you get your hand, it got worse. Oh, jeez. It got worse, kid. So
0: what so tell me what happened?
1: Well, I got there, there's no spawn partners. They got they have a guy that's six foot nine. They had like four different guys. One guy was like six nine and he wasn't a Southpaw. Another guy was about five three uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but probably it was about yeah. five five, and uh, they had another guy that was a runner, another guy that was this, another guy, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my, god. so and then, if that's not bad enough, the fighter's got an attitude because by now he knows it's late, and it's like they, who knows what they told him, yeah, right. So he's got like an attitude. And normally I would have got on the plane and went back. But I I don't want to, I can't, I don't want to lose. What do I mean by that? I don't want to lose. I'm going into a fight that it looks like we can't win. But I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose what is your choice to lose. I don't want to give up. I don't want to, I don't want to walk away from something that, You can figure it out maybe that you feel you have an obligation a commitment even though with all this stuff i just told you and i don't want to be one of those guys that just said yeah (laughs) i had no choice i had to walk away because they they did this and they did that yeah they did all that but you know what ken i still had a choice i still had a choice and so I had to look at film the first day with the fighter, and after a couple of hours, I I got him back to the place I needed to get him. I wasn't gonna go and throw myself as murder. I'm not gonna go and tell you know. Oh, they screwed me. They pay. Hey, you know, that's his. That's for, that's. I'm not. I tell them, but I ain't. I ain't telling the fighter that. Yeah. So I. I didn't explain anything other than obviously the whatever he heard, and that there was problems, and I just, I just watched film. I knew he was nervous. I knew that he knew it was too little time, and as soon as I looked the film, I could see he had a little something that I don't allow any fighters to have. He was being adversarial, adversarially, uh, an adversary to me, like he was going again. And that's fine. I'm not saying I'm a dictator, even though I am uh, at the end of the day, because that's why you hired me. But uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. i say it again. D-I-C-T-A-T-O-R. Alright? Without without guns or without any of that stuff. And uh, without an army behind me. Just me. Because if you came to me, you came to me for a reason. Yeah. 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 It's gonna be my way. And so... I could see he's got some flunky with him. And first time, I can forget who it was, somebody. Uh, and I'm trying to remember. Anyway, he had some decent people around him. His brother was a decent guy. But, you know, he was all right. And even though behind his back, the the the, uh, the management team, would, of course, didn't think uh, of him the way that they put forward with him. But he wasn't a bad guy. And that was just about me and the fighter. And he had someone with him that I could see he he fed him something that he's got to land whatever punch it was. And I looked at the tape, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. So I said, freak it, this is it right now. Right now. I get him, and we can go forward or we can't. So I said to him, now there's one punch that never misses. It's the uppercut. This guy eats uppercuts like there's some kind of Russian snack. And he said, no, not uppercut. And he never, ever said that to me before, went against my, ever, ever. And I wouldn't have been training him if he did early, to be honest. But we are where we are now. So I put the film on. And I just said, I knew that the truth would come out past all the feelings. And I said, look at the film. First round, guy gets hit an uppercut. Second round, bang, uppercut. Third round, bang, uppercut. Fourth round, bang, uppercut. After about four rounds, he turns to me and says, Uppercut. <laughs> yes, you're right. That's it. Let's go forward. Let's do what we got to do. We go to the gym. Like I said, the only thing missing was uh, cattle, sheep, uh, fire, <laughs> um uh wild dogs uh mermaids uh ken it was it was noah's ark it was ridiculous and I, I, nobody should have to deal with this i ain't dealing with it i walk in the manager's there they all know respect that you don't talk when i'm in it. i mean this is there's, it's just like if you hire a lawyer you're going to go into the courtroom and you're going to start telling them how to run a case no you're gonna you're not going to have a lawyer for long you're going to go in the operating room and tell your doctor hey keep me awake you know and I want to watch what you? no no well you ain't coming into my gym and and, and opening your mouth <laughs> but it's a different time the man is just drunk he's the guy right oh my God. he's in there Ken Ken, we're in this gym, this atmosphere. We got all these different spawn partners. Like, oh my god, I mean, it's just a mess. And the manager's giving them instructions. Finally, I, I just said, "You train them." I turned to the guy, "You train them," and I walked out. That's the beginning. That's how we started. It got better from there.
0: <laughs> oh my god! And then,
1: yes. and then everyone cleared out the manager left vlad came to me and said he left i said listen everybody is out of here you get me i will have names for spawn partners within an hour you get me the ones i want real spawn partners the right height south pause the right style you get them for me within 2 days because I'm not gonna start right away, even though we're out of time, I still need a few days to get him on the floor. And you get me this, get everyone out of here, and that's it. And we we moved to a different gym, and I there was a park across from the hotel. I'd get up very early every morning, work out, eat breakfast, and then we trained about 12, I would I would read books when I could later in the day. I was reading. I read about f- I don't know how many books in three weeks. I read a book on uh the SEAL team, the SEAL team, the great 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 SEAL team that went to Afghanistan wherever that was, and they fought it out with like hundreds of of uh, fighters, and they were all killed except for one,
0: a lone survivor.
1: And uh, it was yeah, I think that's what it was, and I read it and i i was almost i, I read it it, it it spoke to me like i had to read stuff like that and i read a i read probably about four or five books and that was one of them all true story stuff and the only funny bad thing about it was at the end of it i started wondering if i would if i would be a survivor <laughs> i i started <laughs> wondering if uh if it was a if it was a little bit of a omen that one survivor I so said maybe that's good news that's me <laughs> I'm, uh, maybe that's a good thing at least that you know and I read about these wonderful men these brave men these special men and what they face and then I started putting it in perspective well really, that was my way of getting through it that was my way of getting through it uh, and you know it was unbelievable my daughter always packed the books for me she didn't tell me she'd just go out and buy me books and she would pack them for me when I went away like this and it was amazing that she picked this book. Really was. And so I, I, I said, I'm, I'm worried about myself and my everything. I was. I was worried about a lot of things. I mean, like, if we don't win this fight, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm here. I'm not home. The fight's going to be in Germany, but still. And, uh, But my biggest concern was I didn't think we could be ready. And I so in the mornings, I didn't want to be susceptible. I didn't know what they would do. I threw the manager out that first day. So (laughs) the next day, I I wanted to be able to see who was coming to the hotel. So I found this little park. It was just a little park with a bench. And I used to go there. And I would read, and I would sit, and I would think, and I would watch who was coming. So I figured I'd, 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 I'd have the edge on them that whoever was coming, I saw where I saw who it was. I saw them before they saw me. I know it's a it's a not a good way to live. <laughs> and I'm I'm watching. It was always the Mercedes black or or the Range Rovers black. Five of them. Wasn't two enough?
0: <laughs>
1: Wasn't one enough? All right, so I'd watch this, and I'd be watching. I'd be in the park for hours before I had to go to the gym. And I'm in the park, and I'm thinking and thinking, and I'm praying. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how am I how am I going to get him ready? How am I going to take a guy in three and a half weeks, what normally takes eight weeks, to get ready for a 12-round fight? How? How? I got to figure it out. How? 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 I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I can't sleep. I got to figure it out. I have to have a plan. What If I don't have a plan, what shot do we have? I got to fi- I can't just wing it. I can't just train him like a maniac. I'll kill him. I'll overtrain him. <laughs> I have nothing left in the ring. Yeah. So it doesn't work. And a lot of guys would have did that, quite frankly. But that ain't going to work. No, it ain't. You have to actually pull back. Teddy, are you out of your mind? Three and a half weeks to get ready. He's not in shape. And you're saying, you got. yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so how? Ken, I was in a quandary. How? How am I going to get him ready for a 12-round fight? How? How? And finally it hit me. I'm there one morning. And all of a sudden, it took a few days. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I said, oh, God. I know how. I'm not gonna. I can't get him ready for 12 rounds. That's why I'm driving myself nuts. I'm gonna get him ready for an 8-round fight. And I'm gonna slow the pace down to make it feel like 8 instead of 12. And now we got a chance. And now I had a chance. I had a chance now. It made sense. I finally had a chance. I said, I was... I train him for a six- to eight-round fight. I can't even tell you what I'll get him ready for. I'm shooting for eight. I'm shooting for eight. He'll be in shape for an eight-round fight. But it's a 12-round fight. I get the math. We're missing four rounds. I will make up those four rounds by slowing it down where the eight will become a 12. Where the 12 will become an eight. And I, I I left the the uh, the uh my compound there the park and I said okay okay oh, this is what I'm doing and that's what I did but it was still bleak every day there was a day that uh we're telling them we might as well tell the whole freaking thing as crazy as it is people will be like like this is hey what am I gonna tell you what am I going to tell you? I remember thinking a book could be made on this one camp. When after <laughs> we won, I felt so relieved to get out of there. I left, I left on a plane there was like a hurricane hitting the states. And and they were like, "You want to wait another day?" <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs>
1: but we can't fly you to New York. But there's a bad, bad, bad storm. It's like a hurricane, whatever. Where we can't fly, fly me anywhere. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Fly me to you uh, I don't know where Apriel is. But fly me anywhere. They flew me to Chicago. I had to sit <laughs> in Chicago an extra day. I didn't care. <laughs> When I was in the airport, I called the editor of HarperCollins, good people, that did my book. I Mm -hmm. I liked him. I trusted him. Dan Halpin. And I called him up, and I left a message. I don't know what time it was. It was probably sometime early in the morning. I was sitting at the airport. I was was like, I'm going to get out of here. And it was over. We won the title. And I left him a message. I gave a synopsis of what I'm telling you. Just saying, yeah. I think I could make a book on this. And guess what? He never got the message. <laughs> the sometimes with those long distances, you know how it is. Yeah, with yeah. those phones, you don't know if it's going through. <laughs> it didn't go through. It didn't go through. Ah, what the hell? But, <laughs> it did, but here I am. And um, I so now I go to the gym, and that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna get more rounds. I think one day I might have let him spar I was gonna let him spar twelve rounds. I never do that. Never. Yeah. But when I finally got to that point, I I I I, I used my eyes. I was gonna go twelve. I, I think I stopped it at either ten or eleven. But but I I cheated. He didn't even know it. I pull, I shortened a few rounds here and there. I did a little <laughs> you see me do that little magic. And <laughs> exactly. and but but in his head he went twelve or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Just yeah. one day. One day. But I wasn't going to kill him. I wasn't going to do all the other stuff. So, and then other than that, I was. I started with five rounds, six. You know, I built him up. I, I put a yeah. base there. But I had to have a very distinct, s- strong fight plan. Slow the pace down. Okay. Forget about what can I take advantage of. What can, I kept looking at film. What can I take advantage of? Okay. Shagayev's got slow feet. Beautiful! Beautiful! He's got slow feet. Let's make him slower. Slow feet, slow pace. Good. He plots. Good. Okay. If you want to slow someone down even more, what do you want to do? You want them to think that you want to engage them when you don't want to. So let's fade them Give a little bit of aggression and, then aggression, and then let's pull back slowly, slightly. Not where we're pulling out too fast, where here's see that it was make-believe. Here's see our plan. No, fight! I want to fight you. Come on, come on. I want to fight you, and then back out of it. Hold him back, and then play. Kill time. Kill rounds. Catch him coming. He's slow. You could see him coming a mile away. He's a southpaw. Move to your left. What don't we want to do? Don't get hit with the left hand. He punched good with the left hand. Don't get hit with that. Let's catch him coming in with uppercuts. Let's use the uppercut. I see that you can't miss him with it. That's us use it enough in the round where it'll hold him, it'll slow him down, and that one punch can win rounds for us. That one punch can be clean enough to win rounds for us. And that's what we need. Let's get a lead. Let's get a lead. Because later on we're just gonna be trying to get to the finish line. <laughs> we're just gonna be trying to get trying to get out of town, you know, with everything we can get out of town with. But let's get the lead. Let's get up eight nothing, six nothing, seven nothing. We came close. I think we got up five nothing. We got pretty damn close. And that's that's catch them coming in. That's pop, 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 catch them coming in. Act like you want to. And then let's turn them. Turn them. Keep those slow feet moving. Slow, slow, slow. Keep them behind you. Catch them coming in. So we set up the fight plan every day. Every day. And I started feeling a little better, but I was still scared to death. You know, because I never went into a situation ever, 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 ever like this, you know. And then we're getting, we're just, you know, like I said, uh, we started putting it together. And then one day early on. You know, because we had three and a half weeks, but that means you really only got three weeks because you got to really cut everything down. You normally, the week before, I went a little longer. Yeah. I went a little longer. So we got two and a half, maybe three weeks, maybe a little less. So at the early part, after I got everybody thrown out and we went through this thing, the manager made one face-saving call or or visit. And it was all about safe. He wanted to show me he was the guy. He was the boy. Hey, I'm all alone here. Yeah. I mean, you think you gotta write it up in the sky? (laughs) (laughs) Really? You think you gotta fly a plane and write it in the sky? You think I don't get it? I mean, you don't get it. You're that insecure. I get it. So here I am in the gym. And who comes in, Ken? In the new gym. Big gym. His whole crew. Oh, jeez. His whole crew. And guess what? They're not bringing baked goods. (laughs) Those are not waffles and donuts and, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts that they're carrying.
0: And you're by yourself or is Saul there?
1: No, for this one, oh wait, I did have Saul. I did. Saul was there, so it was me and Saul. I had Saul, <laughs> and that made me feel worse. You know why? I love him. No, no, no. I love yeah, him. And no, he, I know because, what
0: you're getting at. Because you don't two want people him to get caught up in this.
1: Because two people are gonna die instead of one.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And and it made me feel worse. Yeah, you know.
0: And and they So they come in with the whole crew. What happens? They
1: come in, they sit behind me in the stands, there was bleachers. They sit in the bleachers, Nikolai sits up in the front and we're getting ready to spa. And I set my mind. You know, everyone has to live with themselves, right Ken? Yep. And I set my mind and it was set. It was if I hear one word from from that direction, only one person could be saying it. I am going over there, and it's going to be the end of him and the end of me. <laughs> and it's just the way it's going to be. And and I, I can just and listen. Imagine am scene. I trying to be anything that? Hey, scared to death, but at the same time, I was. I can't even tell you. A coldness took over me i i was I was wishing to God that I would not hear a word, but at the same time that's the only way i could the only way I could survive was to not survive mm-hmm. because to me in life you're either living or you're surviving yep and if you're only surviving you ain't living and uh I just, I just, I was so cold. My fighter, everyone felt it. It wasn't easy on him either, this poor kid. Yeah. And he's looking at me, and you can see, he looks at my face, and I just, I said, concentrate uh, on the plan one round at a time. That that was a part of the plan, too. I said, this is not a 12-round fight. It's a one-round fight. He said, one round? I said, one round until we get to the second round. Then the next round. And in that, you do not think beyond one round and you be the boss, you be in control, you control yourself, you be calm. One round. Then the next round, one round. Then the next round, one round. And I told him. We had talks. We took walks. I said, look, we have a plan. We execute this plan. We're going to win. I didn't have to go into extra. He knew the that- Damage that was done. He knew the circumstances, so I'm not gonna lie because that would be foolish. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna magnify it and and kill him with it and and destroy him with it either. So we have a plan, and I told him, I never told a fight it. I don't think until Alexander did for the title fight against um, Adonis Stevenson. Donna Stevenson. I told Povetkin, there's going to be one point, not two, one point in the fight. It's probably going to come around the eighth round. I'm not sure. I was wrong. I was off by two rounds. I said, it's going to come around the eighth. Something's going to happen. I didn't want to say it, but I thought he was going to get caught, a shot, because we're going to start getting to that place where... The, we're running on vapors, <laughs> yeah, and and the, and the car's gonna start to cough. It's gonna start to cough a little, and but it's not gonna stall, but it's gonna come close to it, and something's gonna happen. You get through that moment, you're the heavyweight champ of the world. I give you my word, and that that's what we went on, and that day i get him ready i put the vaseline on him i'm praying i'm like you know i'm just i mean i'm not i'm just a there's just a body there mm-hmm. this uh, i'm just i'm just like man i'm just like I, I i don't i'm not even a human being for anymore i'm just like if i hear this You know, and I couldn't think of my family. I couldn't think of anything because then I couldn't do it. And um, one round, two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, Ken. You talk about living and dying by the moment. Five rounds, six rounds. I think we went that day six, seven rounds. I'm not sure. Maybe eight, maybe. Last round ends. I said, let's go. Get out of the ring. Uh, they all get up. They leave. Not a word said. Done. Over. Never happened again. He never, They never came back to their credit. And about a week later, maybe two weeks later, maybe a week before the fight, Vlad comes up to me and says, he called to ask permission to come to the gym. He proved his point. He saved what he thought was his face by coming but at the same time he recognized me that yeah. th- that he had enough intelligence, respect whatever you want to call it, instinct whatever, I don't know what the freak you call it at the end of the day he wanted to have a chance for the kid to win the fight too so to his credit he didn't say nothing he left and then after he showed face that he could come anytime he wants, you know, uh, he didn't come no more. And to his credit, and I'm giving it to him, I, he went and I can't tell you, I'm not saying it made him a great guy, but it made him what it made him. And, and like I said, Vlad said he called and asked if, if it's okay to come next week or tomorrow. Well, whatever it was. And I recognized what he was doing. And I said, yeah, of course, yeah, yes, yes. And he came and, you know, it was no more, uh, it was smooth sailing. The only thing from that point on was the dread that hung over me of we're not going to be ready. Yeah. And then we get on the plane and we we leave before we leave he did say if he wins the title i give you cash bonus if you if it shows up bring it to me all right ken <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime we go to germany it was a scary trip part of the deal was they had to give me a cell phone when i was over there and you got to change to chips yeah. when you go across to another country, you know? Yeah, so yeah. we didn't change the chip yet, Ken. And I'm just going to tell you what happened. We get off the plane, and I told you, we don't feel, you know, and I've been very quiet, and I've been very, you know, what I am, what I feel, you know? And you can't hide it, Ken. I'm not good at hiding those things. I think you know that. Yep. You look at me, and you can see what I feel. Even if I don't want you to, I can't help it. I'm an open book that way. Yep. We get off the plane, Ken. We're going, we're walking to the terminal to get our baggage. And it's like being in a death march. And we're walking. I've never been this way in my whole life. Ever. And I'm walking in there, and what happens? My phone rings. It can't ring. I don't have to chip. I don't have to chip. How is my phone ringing? I can't. It rings. I. I hello? It's my son. I said, yeah, yeah, bud. He says, dad, I just want to talk to you. He said, I, you know, obviously they knew what was going on. I didn't let them know everything. I'm never going to do that to my family. But they knew enough, they heard it in my voice. And uh, my wife knew a little more than they did, a little bit. I didn't want them to know anything. And uh, they, uh, he said, Dad, I know what you went through and you're going through. And I know you don't think he's got too much of a chance. But you can't show it. Because he, everything depends on you. Because he's looking at you. He feels as desperate and as lost as you do. But his one saving grace has one hope as you're going to find a way. And he's going to follow you. Dad, if you project hopelessness, fear, all the things you project. I said, I'm not. I defended myself. He said, Dad, you are. You are, Dad. You are. You never have in your life, but you are. You are. And he said, Dad, you know, You always tell us that no matter what, you never lose until you accept losing. You told us that when we were kids, Dad. It's a deal that you make, you're never defeated until you accept that you're defeated. Until you agree to be defeated. Dad, you taught us that. You're agreeing to be defeated, Dad. Dad, you always taught us that you you don't cooperate with defeat. That you always have a chance until you say you don't have a chance. You you got to change what you're projecting. Otherwise, You're right. You should not have went. But you made a decision to go, Dad. You made a decision to go, Dad. And you shouldn't have went if you're going to go there. As you always tell us, there's a fine line between surviving and winning. Anyone could survive. And they could say that they, they tried to win. But it's not true, Dad. You only tried to survive. You're just trying to survive this thing, Dad. You gave up on a winning part. And you shouldn't be there. And my god, he uh, It was hard to hear it. I anyway, I hung up the phone, I told him I loved him. And um he was right. I walked into the the terminal where the bags were coming out. And I walked right over to the Povetkin. I wonder if he'll remember this. And again, through this whole thing, either you tell a story or you don't tell it. I never told it before. It's been how many, 10 years? But you tell it or you don't. But if you tell it, you tell it. You know? He, I give him all the credit. He's a, he's a special guy because, because of what I'm telling you. Not me, him. But I went over to him, and he had this look that I had for the three weeks. Just lost. Just going to survive. Just walking the death walk. And I grabbed him. I said, come here. I said, let me tell you something. We didn't come here to freaking just fight and say we accomplished something by fighting. We, we're we going to leave right now if that's where we came from. We didn't come for this. Yeah, I know the situation. Yeah, you know the situation. But we got a plan. And we're going to, a plan that can win this fight. But there's one part of the plan that has to be absolute. That we believe we're going to win. That we commit to winning. Not just being here. Otherwise, let's get the freak out of here. We didn't come, I didn't come here under these conditions and go through what we just went through just to freaking fight the fight and get paid. We're going to win this fight. There is no freaking way you're losing this fight. No way. You know why? Because we have a left hand. We have a right hand. We have a left foot. We have a right foot. We have heart. We have preparation. We have a plan. We have an idea. And we have a choice. We have a choice of how we're going to behave and what we're going to freaking make ourselves do. Our choice. And we're going to make the choice to freaking win this fight. People climb mountains with no legs. We got legs. We got arms. We're going to win this freaking fight. And there's no, that's it. You understand? He looked right in my eyes. He said, yes, Teddy. It was the first time in three and a half weeks that I actually knew and felt that the two of us, not just him, the two of us were committed to winning this fight before we were just going through the motions. The right motions, but we weren't going to win the fight if my son didn't make that phone call. He didn't make that phone call, we don't win this fight. And um, crazy stuff happened. You know, I'm not a guy that goes to church every day. I don't force my religion or my beliefs on other people. That's private. That's private. But I believe. I believe what you want to call it—spiritual, spiritual, spiritual, spirituality. Spirit, spirit, what did I say the word right? Uh, spirituality. Yeah, spirituality. I'm not Raymond Burr, by the way. Um, whatever you want to call it, I believe. In God, I believe. Yeah, I do. But again, I don't usually say that. You could call it nature, whatever you want to call it. But I believe in what I believe, and but I believe that you have to do what you have to do. You have to. You could believe, but you have to be willing to believe in yourself, and in the chance that He gave you. And we had a few days there before the fight we had to go through you know those days of training in the gym and the press and everything else and there was one other thing that scared me Ken. it was it was very hot very humid it was 90 degrees whatever it was really really hot and I was worried because we weren't in the best of shape and the heat can be your enemy when you're not in the best of shape. And the arena, I don't think was air conditioned. It was going to be. And I asked questions. You know how I am. I ask everything. <laughs> I knew everything. I knew the, I knew the square footage of the arena. <laughs> I knew the cubic inches of the arena. You know, and and somebody told me, yeah, it gets hot. When it's hot, it gets hot. And I was like, oh, throw something else at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know i felt like that guy captain he had no legs in, in um in that great movie uh that unbelievable epic crazy crazy movie forrest gump when the yeah. captain right when he's up <laughs> on the mast and the shrimp boat come on yeah. and there's a hurricane going on come on <laughs> that's all you got is that all you got I felt like, <laughs> to a certain extent, you know, like yeah, it's ninety degrees. Oh my God, Ken, I don't give a damn if people say Teddy, this is too. It, it can't be all these things. It was okay. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care because we live with the truth. I don't care what it what it some people can say can or it sounds incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. For me, for us, but people do much more incredible stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of stories that you probably don't hear. I'm sure I know that now. But we we get to the, we get to the, uh, we go through, you know, the last day and we get up that morning. I say my prayers, everything, you know, I'm just saying. I know whatever you want to believe. I got my mom and dad up there. I had him there for the Holyfield fight, whatever. Again, we faced what we had to face. My fighter faced what he had to face. That's all that matters. He was ready to do that. And we get up that morning. We're going to have breakfast together. Now it's just me and him. You know how it is, Ken. Yeah. It's just me and him, nobody else. I don't even take an interpreter. Because what I was gonna say I didn't need an interpreter. I didn't need an interpreter. And he wants to be with me now. Because we're we're going into that place now. It's no more of that feelings, anger. No. We're going to we're going to war. You know, we're going to war. You know, I know it's not the guns and it's not as brave as the great people we have in this country that defend this country every day. I know it's not even a pimple on the ass, excuse my language, on the backside of that. I get it. But it is what it is for you. We're going to our own war. And we get together in the morning. We take a walk. We eat breakfast. And then we take a walk. Ken, so help me, you know, whatever you want to say. The temperature dropped thirty degrees. <laughs> Ken, it's actually chilly. It's like sixty. I mean, you could go. This stuff is on record. You could go and yeah. find. You could go and find the temperature of that week of that fight, and the day before that fight, and then look at it the day of. It dropped thirty degrees. Maybe it was twenty five. Uh, whatever it was. And I'm like. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Somebody's, <laughs> listening. <God>. somebody's <laughs> listening. Somebody's listening. Yeah. Somebody's here. Somebody's on our side. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And we take a walk, and I talk to him, and I tell him. I I told him what I told him, but now it's the last time I'm going to tell them. You're going to have one moment. You're going to have one moment. Something's going to happen. You're going to have one moment, probably around the seven-eighth round. You get through that moment, you're the champion of the world, baby. Slow this fight down, do what I say, keep them behind you, pick them up as you go, keep them behind you, turn them stay away from the left. When you need to hit them with something to slow him down, close your eyes and throw an uppercut. <laughs> 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 it can't miss. But, you know, other things too. So... Anyway, we uh we get in a fight and I got the interpreter, not my man Max. I had to use someone else. So I was a little worried. I wanted Max, but whatever. I get this other guy who was he turned out okay, but he got nervous. And I said before, I you know how I, I was very strict. Maybe I made him a little nervous. You think that's possible, Ken? <laughs> and and I oh, yeah. you think <laughs>
0: guy was probably having a panic attack
1: (laughs) i I said listen (laughs) i don't know what you before yesterday two minutes ago i don't give a damn for the next 36 minutes you're gonna interpret take what i say and tell him exactly what i say verbatim you understand there is going to be no going here, going there, hesitating. Every word you I give you, you give to him. You hear me? You understand? Yes. <laughs> okay. We get in one moment. I just got to tell you. We're slowing it down. We're doing everything. We get in there one moment. All of a sudden, I'm telling him something, right? All of a sudden, he starts telling me. What I said to him in English, I said, "You got," but I didn't lose my cool. But you know, I am like you. No, no, you tell him.
0: <laughs>
1: I understand it. <laughs> you tell him. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, and then and we got that was the only mess of the whole night. That was the whole. He got so you know uh, that he started after I said he started telling me in English. <laughs> I'm like you tell him in Russian. Him. <laughs> so, that was the only thing. Other than that, sure enough, that moment came. Two rounds early, came in the 6, he got hit a left hand. He got hurt, stunned, shaken. He's a good kid this kid, you know? That's all him. He's we lost that round, we were up 5 nothing. He uh he got caught with that left hand. He had a moment. The guy went after him. I turned to Saul, my man. I said, this is it right here. He said, you've been talking about this. I said, this is it. This is it. This is the fight. This is it. Sit back. We can't do nothing. Watch. Sit back. If he survives here, he gets through here, we're, we're going to have to heavyweight champ of the world. I, we're going to ride him home. Going to ride him home. He got past it. He come back to the corner. And I knew I had to say something to him to get to that place. He survived it. First thing I said, that was the moment. That was it. That was it. Let's take it home now. I said, do you believe in magic? So I, I looked at this guy. I'm ready to like, Shh. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, <laughs> you know? So I turned to my heart, please, if you ever interpret anything, ever interpret this, please. So I turned, I said, do you believe in magic? I look at him because now I'm doing it perfect. I sa- you know, he says, you bo- so he, he looks at me to see what's coming. I said, his father had died a couple months before this fight. I flew to Russia on my own dime to be there for the funeral. I just thought it was the right thing to do for myself. My father died a couple months before the Holyfield fight. I knew what he was feeling. I wasn't going to let that go. Ken, you take everything you can, Ken. Yep. I mean, that's your job. You just got to figure out what it is. I wasn't going to let it go. So I said to him, do you believe in magic? He, goes, blah, blah. He's, he looks at me. I said, magic, we have a chance for magic right now to bring your father back. I look at him, he's, I, he tells him, Padre, I think I heard. I think I heard Padre. I said, (laughs) Okay, we're on the right track. Okay? He says, Padre. padre." He looks at me. Now he looks at me. I said, We can bring your father back tonight. Magic. Because they're going to be talking about his son, the heavyweight champ of the world. He tells him, all of a sudden all that fatigue, the redness, you know, he he was he was a pale guy, you know? Yeah. And those guys, you know this. You're you're a fitness freak. Seriously. Those guys they get red when they start to lose it. They do. That's yeah. part of the physical signs. And he was red. I'm telling you, Ken, I know it sounds crazy. I watered him down, I iced him down. So that was part of it. I was doing everything I was supposed to. I we hydrated him. All that, the redness went away. He all of a sudden he he rose up. He started getting up. He was not getting up from those chairs. I was picking him up. This round, after his hardest round, the worst round, he started getting up. Uh, I was uh, he I was proud of him. He did something th- that people should appreciate what he did. They they don't understand it, but maybe they will. Maybe maybe, but he started getting up. I I said. You can bring your father back. Let's bring him back. And he got up. I think that Lennox Lewis and I forget who else. I think they were calling a fight on Epics. Epics, I believe. I believe. It's easy to find out. It's not hard. And um, I think that. Lennox Lewis, you know, the great Lennox Lewis, heavyweight champ one of the one of the one of the better ones. Uh he says Teddy Atlas is to, is going is pulling out everything tonight. He's even he's even pulling the ghost out. He's even he's even <laughs> asking ghosts to join him. <laughs> he's, he's 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 pulling everybody into this one. Even pulling the ghost in. Damn right. Damn right. Damn right. Come on, ghost. You're welcome. If you can help me and help him, come on. Bring it. <laughs> bring it. And stay away from the left hand. <laughs> and uh, he, he he kept the edge. He won the fight, Ken. He kept the edge. He kept the edge. Uh, poor Saul. And you know, again, you can relate to it. Uh, he's in a corner, and it's like, One minute, you know, 12th round. One minute. We got it. Shut up. You know, (laughs) I'm sorry. But Saul, we got nothing. Please, I love you. And I do. I love him. And he knows that by what I do and do with him and for him and together and how I trust him. I don't have people with me. I only have people I trust. But I said, Saul, dude, you see enough. I'm I'm sorry. And then, like, he couldn't help it. 30. (laughs) So, 20, 15. I said, Do not, I don't care until there's no time and it's over. Five, four, three, two, one. Teddy, you did it. We knew it. You did it. I didn't do it. Alexander Perfekin did it. But it was the hardest. It was the hardest, maybe not the most recognized for accomplishments in my life, but I think the biggest accomplishment of my life in in the way that you understand why it was now.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, And for him, I don't think that people give him enough credit. They don't know what he went through.
0: So when they announce when they announce him as the winner what are the emotions and what are you guys what does he say to you what do you say to him what happens in the immediate aftermath
1: I think he said thank you I think but um he was very happy
0: obviously How confident were you that you had the decision
1: After everything I've been through Ken I just felt we won
0: Yeah
1: I just felt like you know i just felt we won like we won and you know i mean i you know the people that controlled the power there saul and them they wanted him to win so whatever but i i just felt like this i it wasn't like it is sometimes that one it was like we won this we won this fight yeah and we did win it you know, and we did win it. And I tell you, the week there, I want to say, as long as I said almost everything I could think of, I didn't hold none back. As bad as those people were to me, and listen, I'm sure they didn't. They had their feelings about me. I, I, very open about all of it. But it is what it is. But as bad as they were to me. There was one guy that worked for their promotion. His name was John, I believe. J O N, I believe. And he got he stayed around me for the whole week or whatever it was we were there, five days, whatever it was, <coughs> four days, whatever. And he never left my side. He helped me a lot. Just knowing he was just knowing that he cared, knowing that he understood. He understood the Russians, he understood the mentality, he understood things they could do in Russia, he understood the, the bullying ways, the bullying tactics, he understood all the, all the mentality. He understood it, he knew what they were, and he just stayed with me the whole time. And he knew what I was feeling, I talked to him, I opened up to him, but he understood on his own. I didn't open up completely, but he knew. He was a special guy. I was lucky. I don't know who sent them, Ken, but I'm telling you, he was there the whole time and he helped me a lot. So I shouldn't take credit for it myself and say I was alone. Yeah, I was alone. I had Saul, great, great, great person. But um, I had this guy that was on their side and he, and he stayed with me. And he he said, he said a few things and then he said one thing. He said, one day, he said, I'm having a couple friends come in. They're going to be here with us. They'll be here with us before the fight and after the fight. And I knew what he meant. They were going to be there to look out for me in case we lost. and Because, you know, there was word that uh, Nikolai sent over some of his friends to be there. All that stuff <laughs> oh was... God. Hovering, no, but it, it was just, it was hover. what is it going to be? You're going to be everything I just told you and then that's going to disappear? Yeah. Uh, so they were there, watching, being there. I didn't talk to anyone, I didn't see nobody. One thing, I'm consistent. Because when the fight ended, and now all of a sudden they're going to be friends? No, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I did not go <laughs> to the party. I did not go shake hands with them. No. No. Did I go and say anything bad or do this or any of those things with your fingers? Or, of course not. I'm not stupid. And and I'm not going to do that anyway. I'm not going to do that anyway. But that's your choice. That's my choice. That's who you want to be. That stays with you. You can't be one thing and then be something else. doesn't work that way. But... um. I wasn't going to go and freaking act like I was parties with them and have a drink with them or friends with them. But John said to me a couple days before the fight, day before, two days before, I'm bringing in a couple of friends. They're big. <laughs> he said, they're big. They're good guys. They will be with us. And I just said, you know, you have your pride. You don't want to act like a, you know what I mean, Ken? But, you, yeah, of course. but you're sure as hell. <laughs> you're glad you know you don't say it but you're glad let's be honest right and then uh i just said all right that's up to you he said yeah it's i'm it's up to me ted and I, they're gonna be here i said all right thanks and um and then he said one other thing to me that's that was it he said remember one thing teddy I know what they are and I know what they've done in the past because they had a reputation of doing something to somebody in, in Russia, and somebody mm-hmm. that apparently he knew. So mm-hmm. he didn't really have love for them, to be quite frank. Yeah. And um, he said, uh. he said, yeah, they might be this, they might be that, whatever, Teddy. He said, but remember one thing. We're not in Russia. We're in Germany. And it was the first time that I felt better. I never felt good about being in Germany either. I got news for you. (laughs) (laughs) You I feel a lot better being in Germany than being in Russia. Yeah, it was the first time that it struck home. It struck home. Yeah, damn right. (laughs) We're we're in Germany. We're not in Russia. Yeah. Yeah, he said, just remember that, Ted. We're not in Russia. We're in Germany. And the guy stayed with me right up. He was so happy, you know, so happy. I I just hope if he hears this, he knows how much I I have uh, appreciation for him. And uh, what can I tell you? Even love. Because he he put himself, you know, he, he... you know when you can believe somebody they say they're on the front line with you and then you turn yeah. around and you say where'd they go you know wh- where'd they <laughs> and you're not sure they're gonna be there when the moment comes yep. this guy i knew he would be there and he was yeah you know he he was i remember Cuz telling me a story that he had to go face this guy in a fight it was a leader of a gang whatever whatever it was in a. The- in his area, in the Bronx somewhere, you know, whatever. But the point to the story was, Gus was telling me, he he said he went with his guys to meet their guys. And he said, they're walking a couple blocks. And he said, each block they lost a few guys. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time they got there to the destination point, the meeting point, he was all alone. <laughs> and I, I, I felt like, am i gonna be all alone i know i always felt from the beginning other than saul that i would be alone but i wasn't i wasn't
0: so anyway so after that after you win the title you go back home what transpires after that do you stay with them for additional fights or is that the end of the road have you had enough
1: we got we have one more fight and it was during the time that I was off from ESPN, so I go to Russia to train him. If I my memory, we have to fight the mandatory. I believe it was Cedric Boswell. You tell me if I'm right. I'm not in, sure. In Finland. In Finland, uh,
0: the thirty-five and one.
1: Yeah, he's the number one contender. We gotta fight him. We fight him. I go to Russia because I'm still off from. Or I'm off from whatever from ESPN. I go to Russia. Yeah,
0: the fight was in December.
1: Yep. We go. We I keep my word. We get the championship. Um, we go over there, and we we make our first title defend, You know, a mandatory. It's in Finland because Hellenius, the kid who just pulled off the upset, um, who just knocked out the Polish fighter uh, in in
0: the in uh, New York, Konaki.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um helenius was a big underdog he was still undefeated at this time this is what 10 years earlier of ken something like that
0: yeah this is in 2011 uh 2000 de- december of 11
1: so nine years ago whatever whatever yeah. and so hellenius is undefeated he's their salon's uh next you know star supposedly and of course his career went when hey hey you you know went south a little bit, and then he pulled off this big upset. But he was on the card. I think he was fighting Shasora, which I thought was going to be a, a dangerous fight for him. But he he won the fight, to be honest. And anyway, he he's that's why we were in Finland. That's why the promotion was in Finland. Hellenius drew you know Pervekin didn't draw you know he didn't have for drawing power that's you know it's called for what it was and um, but we we defend the title there. everybody's happy. Perfectkin thanks me said everything was good after the fight. I go home and he's supposed to come to the states because now it's his turn. He's supposed to come to the states. Because January's coming. We're supposed to fight in February. I think we're supposed to fight Huck. Yep, Marco Marco Huck in Stuttgart, Germany. Cruiserweight champion. And he's moving up to heavyweight. Salin has him too. My memory is not too bad. And we're gonna we're gonna start training in january right after the holiday i said all right you got the holiday you got new years so come here on the second or third say the third and then start we'll start getting ready for the hog fight and uh i don't get a call 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 something's wrong david my good friend the lawyer who helped me tremendously just like my family did. He's like my family, to be honest. And um, don't get a call. Finally, I don't know if they called. David reached out, whatever, what's going on. Oh, we're having visa problems. You're having visa problems? You, we're on a two-year odyssey here. You never had a visa problem? I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Cuss used to say, yeah. you know, I was born night, at night, but not last night. Yeah, I mean... Uh, can you come up with something maybe a little more creative please oh <laughs> truth's gonna come out sooner or later right ken a couple yep. days go by vlad the whatever see i'm not knocking i'm just telling truthful things but i'm not going to try to out of my way to the truth is, is enough and uh vlad says oh Yes, you're right. I said, I'm right about what? Did you lie (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. It's something else. Oh, yeah. What? No kidding. No, no. You know what? Crap, Sherlock. (laughs) Uh. uh, We have championship now. Now you do what we want. Now you come here because you make money champion, you come here, make my. I said, wait a minute, hold on. So you think you're going to tell me that the deal, the agreement that we lived by for two years, that I lived by for two years, you did too. Now that you got what you want, what was that saying I said about Cuss earlier, Ken, Oh, in one of those other shows, the show last week? What did I say? No matter what a man says, Teddy Atlas, remember this, Customato told me. I was 19 years old. Teddy, remember when I'm not around no more, remember what I told you. If you remember one thing in life, no matter what a man tells you, it's what he does in the end that he intended to do all long. So Vlad says to me, we're going to, you're going to come here to Russia and train because we have the title now and you're going to make money and you're going to, so I said, so that agreement that commitment means means nothing and you think i'm just gonna say oh yeah it sounds like a that sounds like fun can't wait to get back to russia i mean (laughs) like it's the caribbean uh, that's uh, (laughs) get the suntan of lord honey you know get the get the get the copper tone we're going to (laughs) Russia. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 you can't make this up so he says yeah I said so that that agreement means nothing well, we get the championship now so that that just avoids that just wipes out our agreement and you think I'm going to go along with that <laughs> really <laughs> oh yes because we got championship and you make money How do you say "click" in uh, Russian? Click. <laughs> <Tell your butt. laughs> it's about the same, right? Click. Yeah. Click. So, uh, listen. I was disappointed in the fighter, but I, I was going to ask
0: you: did he did he reach out after this all nah. went down? Did he ever nah. speak to you? No. Nah. To this day, he's not spoken to you
1: no I had no occasion no Uh, if they called me I probably you know you gotta if you're gonna say you're telling the truth you better tell it every second I don't remember if they tried to call me I probably didn't take the call but I don't think they did I don't think they did but I uh, if that's a shortcoming in me good it is not good but it is but uh no they never call uh Max, Maxim, my man over there, came to the United States afterwards, and he wanted to visit me, and he did. And he says, I'll tell you one thing, Teddy. He says, what they did was wrong. He said, I left those people. I don't work with them no more. He said, but I'll tell you this. Pervet can give you all. He is very respectful of what you did. And uh, never forgot it. I said, well, he forgot something. He forgot how <laughs> to keep his word. But, yeah. uh, but you know, so say la vie, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he, you know, somebody tried to, I don't know if it was Maxim. Maxim was such a good kid, I'm not sure. I don't think it was. But somebody tried to excuse for him mean excuses don't go real good together you know can i
0: yes i do know i
1: mean <laughs> i i'm going to try not to make them i appreciate if, if you try not to make them you know i yep. let's start there and uh they said to me it wasn't him it was the people around them uh i said stop right there stop yep. right there stop right there F- first of all I would say stop right there because it's always your choice. So stop. But second of all, he said, you know the kind of people they are. How's he going to go against them? Stop. He went against them two years earlier. When, or two, a little over two years, whatever it was. Two years earlier when I didn't have him fight Klitschko. And he really knew it was the right thing he had no problem standing up to them then he stood up I stood up yes but he stood up too he didn't get on a plane and go back to Germany for that press conference they had the press conference by the way that time that we talked about they had it without him because they still thought they were going to pull it off (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sure they did. They were probably like the kid's gonna do, and, and you know
1: what they, do. you know what they had in place of him at the press conference. What's that? A cardboard cutout of him. <laughs> yeah, they did, and Klitschko did something funny, silly, whatever you happen to feel about that stuff. Like, okay, you know, like he talked to it. Yeah, you know, I guess that was to embarrass him, whatever. But um, in the meantime. He didn't get on that plane. He knew how to stood up to stand up to them. He forgot now yeah, when it was yeah. less important or less convenient,
0: right? No. Yep. No. It's okay. What are you going to do? Um, they eventually did talk him into fighting Klitschko and- um, No, no,
1: no, no. Before you say they talked him into it, no. Just like I had said earlier, not that I'm a prophet, but I know my business- Sure enough, sure enough, what happens? I said that eventually he'll fight Klitschko, maybe, but he'll get another chance to fight a title, he did, against the lesser guy, he did. And now he eventually might get a chance to fight Klitschko and it'll be a different situation. Well, now that time comes, now he's more experienced, He's more experienced, he's more confident, and he's got his own belt. He's got something to bring to the table. Now a $2 million fight became, you ready? $6 million. That's three times what he would have got when they wanted to do it, Ken.
0: And by the way, when you told him when he passed on that the first time, he was 14-0. For $2 million, when he finally did get in with Klitschko, he was 26-0, 26 wins for, as a pro. For
1: $6 million, Ken, and he went the distance. He got dropped like three times. But if he had fought him those couple years earlier, not only would he have got $2 million, not only would he have wound up with no money, not only would his career have been over, he would have got knocked out in a couple rounds. and And that would have been the end of him. And what is he now? Now he's close to forty, or he is forty. He made six million dollars against Klitschko. He 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 lasted the distance, even though he won. Uh, he lost, you know, obviously uh, completely lost the fight. But he made six million. He went the distance, and he had his second career. He continues to yeah. fight. He continues to be in in meaningful fights, making money.
0: He he went on and had a long career after after he lost to Klitschko. It looks like he won about six or seven in a row. He lost by TKO to Joshua in two thousand and eighteen. Had a draw against Michael Hunter. He beat Huey Furry and now he's like due to fight Dillian White. I mean that fight's been postponed, obviously, but my God, he's made some money. Yeah, yes. By the way, by the way, <laughs> I just noticed also on that Klitschko fight. Sauerland were his promoter all the way up. But against for the Klitschko fight, they're not the promoters. It was no. uh, Stashkov and uh, Hiranov, Vladimir Hiranov, yeah. but no, uh, no Sauerland. So even no. though they put it off, the promoters didn't get what they wanted in the long run. They didn't even promote the fight.
1: Sometimes justice is served in strange <laughs> ways, you know? Yep. But uh, uh,
0: That was th- that was quite the uh, odyssey for sure. Wow. Just knowing, knowing what I know about being in camp with you, I can't even imagine what this was like. It must have been, I mean, all I can think about is Saul must have just been like, what the hell are we doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah, Saul's my brother. And uh, brothers go through pain, share you know, pain sometimes if they're really brothers. And we yep. shared some... Some a little bit of pain, a little bit of fear, but also a little bit of satisfaction and victory, yeah. and uh, accomplishment, overcoming. Yep. You know, he was so happy. So he was so happy right I'm after sure the fight. I mean, first of all, he was happy we were still alive. That's something to be happy about. You know, I mean, that's always <laughs> <something>, <laughs> that's always something to celebrate. You know, Ken, and yeah. so that was a good one. And then. The kid was so, it was so sincere, you know, he, he sent out a text to everybody, you know, uh, I found out afterwards because they showed me the text. He he took a picture with the belt, you know, with the, with the world championship belt. And he said, we now have the belt. (laughs) (laughs) We now have the belt. I, I think he actually said belts. I was, I was wondering what other belt we had, but, uh, at that point, didn't matter. Yeah. We now, the
0: belts are with us, something like that. That's a good one. Well, I'm sure the fans are going to enjoy that story and we'll have some questions. And if this quarantine continues, we'll keep doing Q&A uh, sessions. So if anyone has any questions about this in particular, please feel free to uh, hit us up on social media. Do what you got to do. If you enjoy Teddy's story, there's a whole, Teddy's stories. There's a whole bunch more in the in his book, Atlas: A Son's Journey to Become a Man from the Streets to the Ring. Um, please check it out on Amazon, Audible.com. Uh, Teddy, am I forgetting anything?
1: No. no, we we talked enough. <laughs> well, we talked thanks enough. for
0: sharing the stories. It was a pleasure as always. Thanks to Rob in the background. And I will uh, we'll be back with you. If you enjoy the show, please share the links, leave a review. Always great to hear from the fans. Thanks for being with us.